Oh, hello. Graham Norton here. Thank you very much for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose. We've been busy this weekend and had some gorgeous guests, including Stephanie Beatrice, who's swapping Hollywood for the West End in her stage debut in 222, A Ghost Story. Maxine Peake chats to me about her appearance in brand new ITV drama Anne, which is about Anne Williams, the Hillsborough campaigner. And Kevin Clifton and Claire Richards join me to talk about starring in The War of the Worlds Arena Tour. But before all of that, let's chat to Maria and solve some more of your dilemmas in Graham's Guide. And it's been a very special week because it was... I did. I got some tambourines out and I rang my good friend Stevie and I said, oh, go on. Uh, oh, I sh- oh, now what I should have done there. Hang on, I'm going to try oh, it. I'm going to try oh, it. I'm going to try oh. it. Hang on. Hang- here we go. This, this is how it should have been. Hang on. Let's try it again. Here we go. So is that? Yeah, here we go. Okay, let's see. Maria. Oh, very oh, good. Oh, yeah. On the decks, mixing. Oh. <laughs> if you could just scratch it up a little bit. If only there were Christmas parties, I'd be available for them. Uh. I know everything has been cancelled in my life. <laughs> I was all very full of festivities and now snow blindness and tumbleweed in my diary. <sighs> and there's a little bit of joy in that, isn't there? <laughs> when you say a little bit, I think quite a lot of joy. <laughs> You just think, mmm, pajamas. <laughs> They're still making telly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're still making telly. What are your what's your schedule for the holidays? Thanks for the... asking. Let me just check my diary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got yeah. one more show next week. Oh yeah. Uh, that'll be the Christmas show. Or is there two more? No, it's just one more, is it? What do we... Well, you must do a New Year's Eve show. We've well, done that. You've done oh, that. Oh, that's done and dusted. The indoor fireworks have gone off. The confetti has okay, been Okay, so dropped. you should really be having a show on Christmas Eve, by my calculations. Yeah, we're not doing that, are we? That would be uh, madness. I know, I mean, you're pre-recording what these. What guests could we get? In these modern days. <laughs> Santa promoting his hard work on Christmas Day. I very much am fond of... The, I watched the show last night and it was very, very amusing and I love Keanu Reeves. Do you know... He's he, guileless, isn't he? Yes, he is without and, guile. And actually, I feel like that was the best way to meet Keanu Reeves. <laughs> in a strange box. <laughs> in a strange white-out box. Because when he's in the studio, it's it's nice to talk to him, but then you start talking to other people and then you suddenly remember, oh, he's still here. Um, and then you have to talk to him again. And he's and you're right, he's so benign and lovely and there isn't a bad bone in his body. He's just a really nice man. Uh, you know, but he's not God's gift to chat. No, and actually, he was, very good, he was very good on the show last night. Well, he did get the name of his film wrong. Well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> As he said, it was early you in the morning. You had one job, basically, to publicise this new film, The Matrix Resurrections. And he called it The Matrix Revolutions. <laughs> Well, this is a quite different film altogether. It is. Maybe that's the name of uh, number five in the. Uh, yeah, in the thing. I don't I think know. Keanu has thought that through at all. How has your week been in general, Graham Norton? You're looking quite rested, and I'm liking the double camouflage. Yes, I'm uh, in hiding today from the guests. <laughs> I'll just be. Are you on celebrity hunted? I'll just be a voice in the distance. That'll be <laughs> Maxine. People going, who? Who's asking? Who's asking that question? Um, I have had quite a quiet week, really. Yes, I think that's why I look rested because I am. I've done very little. I've started. I've started poking around. I'm supposed to be writing a book, and I have started poking around my book again. Oh, good! Poking yeah. around in it. Well, you know what I mean. Is it a colouring book like the last one? It is. This one's more went, ambitious, though. Well, you went over some of the lines towards <laughs> yes. the end of last book. I this, felt this is paint by numbers. <laughs> oh, I know. You've moved into painting. I have. Just watercolours, obviously, <laughs> but uh, still. Well, be careful not to close the pages before it's dry. <gasps> oh no! Because that is a rookie error. Rookie. Rookie. By the way, did you have a nice birthday? I did, thank you very much. I went out with 200 of my closest friends. No, I'm joking. I went out with eight of my friends for lunch and I got home at 10.30. Thanks for asking, Graham. You know, and I look very perky today for mm. somebody of 104. Now, you're not that yet. Virgin Radio. Oh, yeah, she's here. Have you a letter? If only, I knew, if only I knew the German for letter. <laughs> Is you doing German? Oh, yeah, she's here. <laughs> ah, yes. Apologies to all Germans out there listening. Well, no, I'm, I'm bringing the Christmas markets to, to London. We can't go to them. <laughs> Can I buy some strudel? <laughs> strudel? And some okay. tinsel. Some tinsel. Some tinsel for the microphone. <laughs> so, anyway, we're being racist. No, we're not. We're being racist. Uh, we're being xenophobic. Xenophobic, thank yeah, you. Yeah, that's weird. Okay, here's a letter. <laughs> Hello, Graham and Maria. 
I'm in my final year of university and live in a house with two boys and two girls. The five of us have been friends since the very start of university and are very open with each other. Hello. What does that mean? I know. <laughs> One of my housemates has become really into fitness. That doesn't really make sense, but there you are. He exercises most days, sometimes even twice a day. He looks great and we're really proud of how he's worked. But there's a problem. He absolutely stinks. We've actually mentioned it, tried to make a joke of it, and we've even said it more seriously, saying that he really smells. He occasionally takes us seriously or agrees with us and goes for a shower, but it seems he can't really smell himself. We've brought it up so many times. Friends of ours who are in lectures with him have started to comment, but they don't want to say it to him directly. It's really becoming embarrassing. How do we convince him to take this seriously? If he wants to keep exercising as much as he is, then he needs to sort this. At this point, I don't even mind if our water bill is doubled. I just want him to stop stinking. And that is from Rebecca <laughs> in Southampton. I want him to stop stinking as all well. All I want for Christmas, all I want for Christmas is to stop stinking. I mean, this is just, you know, arrogance in the nth degree because listen you just have to say to him I mean you've mentioned it to him and he occasionally listens to you and if he's like a lot of people I know they'll just kind of spray some links or other deodorants on top of what exists there or uh, spray the links and then put same old sweaty clothes on again so I think you have to have a ruling and I would get it laminated on a card gym equals shower Every time. If he's going twice a day, that's two showers a day. That's no ifs, no buts. If you're really sweating in the gym and he sounds like he's pumping lots of iron there, then you have to get that nastiness off your body because the longer it stays there, it will just fester and become bacteria. And he's clearly nose blind or even worse, he likes the smell Ugh. of his, you know, workouts. And I think there are people like that, frankly. Yeah. So I think this is a no-brainer because he's now stinking up the house he's stinking up lecture halls he is becoming quite unpopular despite the fact he looks like jonathan van damme i mean isn't that the weird thing who's jonathan van damme well he's a you know bodybuilding actor isn't he no oh who am i thinking yeah uh, uh, claude van damme oh, okay oh, john claude jean claude van damme. jonathan van damme no jonathan it's... van tam is what i'm thinking of who's one of the sage um <laughs> spokespeople i don't think he does work out at all <laughs> He sometimes appears with the Prime he loves Minister. Health, though. He's very into health. Very into health and stopping the spread of coronavirus. But not so great on weights. Oh. I think he can only pump 40 pounds. <laughs> he can lift two masks at a time. <laughs> and a lateral flow test. Claude Van Damme. I do apologise. Jean-Claude Van Damme. All right, enough Van Damming. You brought it up. I did. The if wrong I, one. I, OK, two things here. One, how sad that he's made himself so gorgeous and yet completely resistible, this man. Yeah. You know, he's made himself. An absolute, you know, Adonis. god, a gondonis, but you can't get within fifty feet of him without <laughs> gagging. Uh, so that that's unfortunate. So I, I, but I bet you, I bet you that this is if he's too lazy to shower, you know he's too lazy to wash his gym kit. It'll be, he bet you, he wears the same gym kit day after day oh, after day. Do you know what? I can actually smell it. But the thing is, I don't really mind that so much because at least they're all stinky in the gym. Once you're in the gym with stinky people who are sweating and pumping... But people don't stink in the gym. Uh, well, I he don't does. know. I don't know. But, but it's not in your house. So that's the whole thing about Rebecca is that, um, you know, it's in her house people at college you cannot take that away so yes may, I probably he only has one set of gym gear well it's Christmas Rebecca yeah buy him that's what everyone should get him just new gym gear why new shorts you, why don't you get him so, you know a collective present a t-shirt which you get printed says please tap me on the shoulder if I smell that's a very good idea <laughs> He'll love that. <laughs> well, then you make and, a joke. And, and he'll wear it all the time. Then you make a joke of it and then he doesn't feel quite so bad for stinking. It's a very natural phenomenon. But he phenomenon, obviously doesn't feel bad for stinking. That's the, that's the weird thing. You're, people are telling him he's stinky and his laziness is over, is outriding, overriding his, his vanity. I think there's some element of thinking that I want people to know that I've been to the gym and these 90-inch muscles in my arms are not sufficient, so I'd like them to smell me too. Smell oh. me. Well, also, you know, he might be on, um, like, steroids or something that would make you stink more. 
Yeah. yeah, we need more information, Rebecca. Can you go yeah. and rootle around in his drawers? Oh, and picture, oh not pictures, those please. Pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Just take a few casual shots and uh, we'll have a look at those. Send us a smell-o-vision <laughs> photograph. No, don't do that. No. The responses, part one. Lorna in Edinburgh. Years ago, I had a colleague, a lovely professional lady, who was very sporty and had the aroma to match. We worked out that she may have showered, but she never cleaned her clothes, not just the gym kit. Tell them to use the washing machine. And it's true. I mean, I think often people kind of go, well, I don't know why I smell, because I wash all the time. I say, yeah, you don't wash your clothes. Uh, Carol, get him a set of deodorant for Christmas. If that feels a bit mean, do you think, Carol? Uh, <laughs> I love, I love Carol's way of making that not mean. She goes, do a secret Santa where you all get each other a set of smellies, the good kind for Christmas. Yeah, I think he'll, he'll literally, he will smell a rat if, if everyone gets deodorant for Christmas. <laughs> wow, they're really piling it on. Uh, this guy smells of hard work. This says Steve. You know Steve works out. Firstly, the fitter you get, the more you sweat. Okay, what are you lifting? What are you pressing? It's probably a case of more deodorant plus separating workout t-shirts from going out t-shirts. Or just washing some t-shirts, I would say. I mean, I remember a friend, years ago, a friend of mine worked with this woman in a restaurant and she was so beautiful. She was a model. She was in some music videos. And I mean, she was, you know... But she smelt really funky and it turned out it was a medical condition. And back then there was nothing they could do. And she just had this weird sort of chemical smell offer. Um, maybe now you could fix it. I don't know. Maybe. Well, no, that isn't the problem because he didn't use to smell. It, no, it's definitely. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I was. Yeah. Rebecca's friend has refused to act on his immense stinkiness. So drastic action is called for. Oh, this is from Lynn on the Whirl. You know, this is going to be tough. Change the... <laughs> Really, Lynn? Change the locks of the house and put his smelly clothes and trainers on the doorstep with a big notice, de-stink or bog off. That is, I think, what you call drastic action. I, I think possibly too drastic. I don't know. Anyway, thanks for all your advice for Rebecca and her smelly friends. Graham's Guide. Here we go. <laughs> Dear Graham and Maria, I need help with my colleague. I wrote this. Hmm? No, nothing. <laughs> How dare you? We've been working together for a few years now. Oh, yeah. He was recently given a permanent contract in my department. He has applied for quite a few jobs recently, many of which are quite a jump, and he's not in experienced enough for. Whenever he sees the person who actually got the job, he starts to pick them apart and question why they got the job and not him. He's really arrogant and doesn't understand why he missed out on the job. I don't think he's ever asked for feedback after an interview. And I don't think he'd listen to the feedback, even if he did! Exclamation mark. He seems to think he can... <clears throat> excuse me. He seems to think he can say all of this to me and that I will agree with him. But I don't agree at all. He should work hard at the level he's at at the moment and maybe in the future Henny, he can apply for these jobs, but not now. How can I give him some constructive feedback? That's from Louise in Bushy. I have a feeling that Louise in Bushy is writing to all these jobs he's applying for <laughs> with a very, very poor reference. You seem to be very exercised about this, Louise in Bushy. However, I think you're right. Uh, and when you say, how can I give him some constructive feedback, you, tell, you say exactly what you've said to us, which is um, he hasn't really got the experience. Also, he's applying for all these jobs and he's working in your... How committed is he to your department if he's applying for all these jobs? Not very, I would say. So that's annoying in itself. Um, so I would say you really haven't got enough experience and you can tell him there's a pattern emerging here of all of these jobs that he's not getting and say to him, I suggest... When you don't get it, you do a follow-up letter just saying, you know, it'd be really great if you could just give me some feedback on why um, I wasn't successful. And they will say, you smell. And, and, Louise, and Louise and Bushy wrote to us and said you were terrible. <laughs> yes, one of your colleagues has written us a 14-page letter about your failings. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yes, I think you just have to say to him, look... It may well be that you haven't quite got the experience. But also, there is something weird about him. Because you would think if you've just been promoted to a, a permanent 
job, a permanent contract in, in Louise's department, if you are actively looking for any other job, you'd keep a bit shtum about that. You wouldn't blabber on about that because everyone's thinking, oh, right, so you're not taking this job seriously. Yeah, yeah. You're not intending to well, stay here. We just gave you a permanent contract. So he's obviously not very good at reading the room. he's obviously taken Louise into his confidence and thinks that she's a better friend than she obviously is, um, which is annoying her as well, yeah. to be c- confiding in, in Louise. You know, I mean, you wouldn't. You're absolutely right if you were going to buzz off from this job, you'd keep it on the down low. But he seems to think Louise is going to back him up all the way. So, Louise, I think you're being a little divisive here because clearly you feel very strongly about this and yet he is uh, completely um, under the impression that you're with him. So you just need to kind of be honest. Well, well also, there's a kind of... The re- I agree with her. There is a kind of a weird arrogance that he thinks he deserves so much better than what he's doing. And actually... You've got to earn that. Yes, he, he in his head knows he's capable of doing these other jobs, but nobody else does. So you've got to bed down, do this job for a while, and then start applying. And I think tell him that. Just kind of, you know, people will smell a rat if you've just... That was the last letter. <laughs> <laughs> a dead rat under the floor. In your gym, dear. Um, and also, um, his CV must indicate that he doesn't have curriculum vitae, yeah. his resume, uh, which must, must indicate that he doesn't have as much experience as he thinks he's had. I, he has. I think you, knew, you need to say to him, Louise, you are too inexperienced for the jobs you're going for because you're not getting them. So let's rethink this. If you want to still be nice to him and uh, also tell him to ask for feedback. Yeah, and do the job job you have, you know, rather than spending all your time applying for jobs you're never going to get. That's what I'd say to him if I was Louise in Bushy. What would you say to him if you were Louise in Bushy? Got to tell him straight, Nina says in Devon. If he's not listening to hints or niceties, then you've got to just be brutally honest with him. Ooh. Daniel and Luton hate people like this. Strong words. Never understand why they're behind. Suggest some practical interview skill classes to him, but at the end of the day, if he doesn't listen, then it's his loss. And also, you've got to think, you've just got to, like I was saying, you've got to bed down in this job, prove you can do this job, and then you then it's time to move on to the next job. But, you know, you can't, you can't uh, run before you can walk. Is that the expression? Yeah, yeah, it is now. Came in Buckinghamshire. You can only help someone so much until they start to help themselves. I mean, if he doesn't respond to constructive feedback from you, then tell him to stop whining. There you go. Tell him to stop whining. Top advice there. Uh, Stephen says, Louise needs to ask him why he keeps applying for all these jobs. Then tell him she understands he has ambition, but to think more about his career moves. She can advise without aggression. Plus, she still has to work with him afterwards. Also, is Louise resentful of his confidence? But it sounds like, I don't know if it's resentful, but it must be annoying to have this bunctious guy thinking he's so much better than ever, you know, that he's so much better than the job he's doing. You know, that, that, that is irritating. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's a Waitrose Christmas. Virgin Radio. It is tied by first guest of the day. Stephanie Beatrice is here. Woo! Make your West End debut. Thank you. Um, uh, so how did this happen? Of all the plays in all the world, how did you walk into this one? Uh, this just sort of fell into my lap. Um, I was sent the script. And I read it, and I made the mistake of reading it late at night, which was not uh, terrifying, but also perfect. Um, yeah. So I was up until I finished it at one thirty or something in the morning, and I woke my husband up and said, I, I think we're going to London so I can do this play. <laughs> um, and it just happened really quickly, and, and everything kind of gelled and came together, and now I'm here. Wow. So this is, uh, is it? Two to two or two twenty two? Two twenty two. Two twenty two. Like the time at night. Which oh, is when, every night at two twenty two. When the ghost shows okay. up. Okay. Possibly. And t- so two twenty two, a ghost story. Uh it, it was a big hit here in the, was it the summer it was on with yes. uh, Lily Allen and and yes, there I've, yes, I've run out of names. Yes. Um, <laughs> but now it's it's back to the different theatre, it's, uh, it's it's a new cast, completely. Yeah, completely new cast. Um but still really staying true to the beautiful, beautiful play that Danny Robbins wrote and Matthew Dunster who uh, directed the first production also directed our production and 
he's been incredible, like guiding us through this really intense, awesome, funny, really weirdly funny play. Because that was part of what I was drawn to too. Because I, I'm most people probably in the in the UK know me from Brooklyn Nine Nine, and I love comedy. And I thought that this was such a good mix of like. It's that really ugly, yummy, dark comedy where you laugh because things are so intense and so insane that you, nothing else can come out of your mouth. But it's also that thing, isn't it, when you're in an audience and you all get a big fright at the same oh, yeah. time. You get the fright and then you all laugh. Because oh, it's, it's like, oh, so we're so stupid, delicious. we're so stupid. Yeah. And there's some of those jump scares right out of the gate and the audience really relaxes into it after they get scared <laughs> because they all laugh together because they're, you know, they're all, everyone's very posh holding their little champagnes in the audience and then they get scared. The pants, uh, like, what? how do you say it? Um, you, Because you guys call pants underwear, right? Uh, so, like, when you say scare the pants off somebody? Yeah, that, that, that yeah, is, yeah. Yeah, scaring it, the underwear. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. we're naked. You, you're just in your drawers <laughs> when you scare them. We're naked when we scare the pants off. Uh, ah, the differences. Yeah. The differences. <laughs> I have this vision of you in L.A. kind of waving to your friends going, I'm off to make my West End debut. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Um, is this what you expect? I always feel like oh, Americans coming over to do the West End are imagining something very different oh. than the, the grubby. That's such a good question. No, you know, I I studied theatre in college. I did what's called regional theatre in the US. So bouncing around to from theatre to theatre in different states. Yeah. Um, from the beginning of my career, I really thought theatre was where I was going to land. And so to me, Broadway and the West End were so glamorous, but also like... It's that real hard work. That's where the real hard work has to take place, right? Like eight shows a week, you're cranking, man. Yeah. You are. And everything in your life is built around supporting how do I give the best, most concentrated, most intense performance that night? Because people are spending their hard-earned money to come and see it. So yeah. you can't phone it in, you know? Um, so to me, it's like all of the things that I love about creativity and performing all together in one place and again because I was a theater kid I mean the West End is it's really magical to me it's absolutely magical the creepiness of the old theater I mean the Gilgood is so gorgeous it's like this little jewel box the detail of the theater the backstage that feels kind of haunted in and of itself I mean it's there's parts of the play where you can really feel the energy of that space and how many people have been in and out of that space. It is always really easy to believe that theatres are haunted, oh, isn't it? Yeah. 100%. And most of them are. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I'm very glad to know that you're not disappointed by the West End. No, I, absolutely I, yeah. not. Oh, no. good. No, but I love it. Have you done Broadway? No, not yet. Oh, okay. I think, <laughs> I think you'll be retrospectively disappointed. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that this experience is going to live in my mind for a long time. And are you playing an American in this play? I am, yes. Okay. Yes. Few. Few is yeah. right, honey. Easy street, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no accent work on this one for me. And it's running right through until the 12th of February. That's correct. So, like, so your Christmas is going to be a very odd Christmas. A very London Christmas, yeah. which is... Amazing. Actually, I mean, that will be cute. Coming from LA, because I've been in LA at Christmas and it always of, looks so weird. Listen, the land of Dickens, the land of the Christmas Carol. I mean, what what place in the world celebrates Christmas better than London? I'm not sure any. It's going to be magical, sparkly, beautiful. <laughs> There's trees everywhere. Everyone's shopping. Everyone's like in a good holiday spirit. In LA, you're lucky if, you know, your local drugstore puts up some lights outside and like maybe some tinsel. That's it. Yeah, some dirty artificial snow. It's no yeah, it's nothing like it is here. <laughs> uh, now, I was saying, uh, I was saying for younger listeners, uh, you are the lead in Encanto. Mm -hmm. the, uh, that must have been a lovely job. It was. It was magical. I'm a huge Disney fan. I love, love, love Disney movies. And so when the auditions, actually, I think I might have read about it in like Deadline or Variety or something like, oh, this movie's being made. Disney's making a movie and it's set in Colombia and Lin-Manuel Miranda doing the music and it's the directors of Zootopia and I thought oh I have to I have to get an, at least an audition for that and then getting the audition and then getting the callback and then booking it was like a dream it, the whole process was a dream I mean did I mean uh, this sounds like a stupid question but did you know you could sing like that no okay no I didn't I mean <laughs> I think uh, I, I am not one of those people that would call themselves a singer necessarily I think when I auditioned for In the Heights, um, I actually almost did an audition for In the Heights. I was 
talking to Melissa Fumero, who plays Amy on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, about the audition. And she said, girl, you better go in for that. You better go in for that. I said, I don't think I'm that strong of a singer. And, you know, I I don't really. She said, get yourself a voice lesson. Get prepared. That's all you can do. And go in there and get it. And I booked it. And I think from that point, I thought, oh, okay, all right. Maybe this is something that I'm capable of doing. And yeah. I have a really great voice teacher who helped me feel really confident. And, and also, it meant well, Miranda likes you. Yeah, so uh, that's always yeah. a nice, it's always Lin- a nice kind of something you have in your back pocket. Yes, Lynn Manuel is amazing. Uh, and when, you know, they bring an American over here to be, be in the show, you know, mm-hmm. they're obviously hoping that, you know, fans will buy tickets and da, da, da. And you think, oh, I wonder, but Brooklyn 999, those fans will buy tickets. I mean, those fans, people who watch that show just, love it yeah they do and we're really grateful for them because (laughs) if they hadn't loved it so much it really would have been cancelled in its fifth season I mean that is an amazing showbiz story yeah that you know it was cancelled wasn't it it was it was cancelled it was done and dusted how did how did the fans organise themselves to get it recommissioned and on a new network Uh, that's a great question that I don't know the answer to but I think social media had a lot to do with it because people instantly responded to this idea that their favorite show was going to disappear. And it was regular people, you know, people that watched the show and then it it got them through a hard time. And we had so many stories of people who were struggling with like health issues or something and their family would get together and watch it. And it was like the highlight of their week. Or we had kids that, that talked about how it helped them come out to their parents and kids that said, I've never seen a show that looks like me and my friends, you know, the the mix of people that we are. And, and then we had, you know, straight up movie stars talking about watching him. I mean, Mark Hamill was like, said he was sad that he, that he wasn't going to get to watch it anymore. So it just kind of became this wave of intense support. And then I think NBC saw that and they, they wanted to keep the show going. And for you, I mean, cause you're the, you're the furthest probably from the character you play. Mm-hmm. Are, are fans sort of disappointed when they meet you? Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I've seen a look of disappointment on their faces, which, you know, I understand. And honestly, I think it's a huge compliment to, to my work because I've created something so real on screen and they've known her for so long that she feels more real to them than I do. Yeah. And that is really – that's – that that's the best compliment anyone could ever give me. That's and, so lovely. And I guess the lovely thing about going to NBC that was then you guys got to write your ending. It, you weren't yeah. just yanked off the air. Yeah. You got to kind of go, our story's complete. Thank you very much. Good night. Yes. I mean, we didn't know how long we were going to get still because in the US, it's, I don't know how it works here, but in the US it's just like every year it's sort of you're dangling on the precipice of cancellation. And then each year that NBC renewed us was very special. And then the last season... It was sort of a truncated season. So Dan Gore and Andy Samberg really knew what they wanted to do, as well as Luke Deltradici, who's one of our writers. They knew how they wanted to craft the end of the show, and they did it. And it was really special and really fun. Uh, you've got two shows today, right? Yeah, two shows. Oh, all right, we'll let you go and lie in a darkened room. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> with, with some uh, a cold compress on. Uh, that is 2.22, a ghost story. It's running at the Gilgood until the 12th of February. If you want tickets to see uh, Stephanie, then it's www. Two 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 a ghost story dot com. There will be it. fewer letters and numbers in that. You but... nailed it. <laughs> I so did. Uh, it's been lovely, lovely, lovely talking to you. Thank you for having Enjoy me. Enjoy London. Thank you. Have a lovely Christmas. Thank Take you. care. Bye. Bye. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's a Waitrose Christmas. Virgin Radio. Much excitement, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for my second guest of the day. One of my favourites. It's Maxine Peake. Yay! Hello. Merry Christmas, Maxine Peake. Thank you and a Merry Christmas to you, Graham. I know. Welcome to the world of tinsel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, this nice. tinsel looks older than this building. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's been donated. It is a little bit curworn, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It's, it's been previously loved. Uh, right. Let's talk about this because it is an extraordinary drama you're in. It's called Anne. It's on ITV. Uh, in early 2022 and this is about Anne Williams so tell us about Anne Williams so Anne Williams uh, was the mother of Kevin Williams who was one of the now 97 who was killed at Hillsborough he was uh, 14 he went off to Sheffield to the football match and didn't come home and Anne then made it a sort of life's work to find 
justice for Kevin and yeah. the other victims and survivors of the uh, tragedy. And obviously, you know, it, it the the beginning, there's the tragedy, it's very moving, and then it takes on, it's, it's a... Uh, it's a, such a strange story because I'm watching and I think, what would I do? How what yeah. would how would I react in this situation? And I think I'd be more like the husband. Yes, because Anne, it, it is. She is so impressive, and it's an obsession. I mean, twenty four, twenty five years. She she fought and never gave up. You know, there's moments when she felt you know overwhelmed by it, but, but it became her life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It really did. I mean, and it's the sacrifice that I think that kind of activism you know um you 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 have to you know the sacrifices you have to make and i it, i mean the drama is about that but it's also about the impact on the family yeah how you know in these events you know the ripples of these events and 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 how they do impact through generations but it's not just about losing somebody it's about how the family dynamic changes and how actually the family dynamic breaks down i mean there's a lot of love between steve and Anne. steve is played by the brilliant Stephen walters but it can't sustain Anne's sort of work. Yeah. And and also you feel for the kids as well, yes. because it's sort of, I don't know, it's just such an odd thing. You totally, you feel for her, yeah. but you feel for everyone else exactly. as well. Because they're kind of losing their mom to this campaign. Well, yeah, and Sarah Williams, who was very involved in the project, Anne's daughter, and then there's Michael, uh, uh, her son as well. But Sarah was just fantastic. And then when her mum passed away, Sarah then took on on you know a mum sort of work you know um but yeah yeah it's 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 it you can see it affected Sarah massively not only did she lose a son you know I'm sorry a, a brother you know a mum and then a, the relationship breaks up and then years later a mum you know passes away so it's it, it, they've been extraordinary very very generous and very welcoming but it's you know it's a really hard thing to to let a you know, a TV show coming to your life. Yes, particularly, yeah, because you are, I mean, because it is really warts and all. Yes. It, this isn't, you know, Anne isn't a saint in this. It's, no, you know, no, no. Well, nobody is, are they? Really? No, but often but, I yeah. think telling yes, these stories, there is course, a temptation. Of course, <laughs> there is yes, a temptation yes. to pop a halo on their head and, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And you never got to meet Anne. No, she passed away okay. many years before the yeah. drama. And uh, is there footage of her or did you not? Yes, there's lots of footage of her. And, and she was somebody I was aware of because she was on the local news. I live up in Salford and obviously it covers, our local news covers the North West, which encompasses Liverpool. Yeah. So I did, I had seen her quite a few times, you know, being interviewed. And then obviously once you get the job, you know, very generous um Judith Moritz, who works at Granada, um, I was a, a, oh, I'm so sorry, a reporter. <laughs> I can't speak. Um, <laughs> people who know me go, really? Um, <laughs> Why is Maxine talking? Yes, what's wrong with her? Um, she gave me a lot of, you know, video footage that she had of Anne, and that's then when the sort of research started because people were so generous and every you know Anne had such a massive impact on people so everybody wanted to tell you a little bit about Anne so in that way building who this you know woman was 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 fascinating and and I'm not saying easy but there was lots of information and as an actor you know there are some scenes in this which are so emotionally devastating I mean yes. just terrible um uh, you you know in the script you must see this day is coming. Do yes. you worry? Do, do you kind of think, oh God, am I going to get there? Can I get to that place? Or do you just trust yourself and go into it saying, right, I'm I'm in the zone. I think you just have to trust yourself. You have to make sure that you're open and you're listening. And then what whatever happens happens. One thing I said to the director Bruce Goodison before we started, I said I don't want this to be every scene and crying. Anne wasn't that kind of person anyway. And a lot of people say I reminds me of the mum, and she reminds me very much of my mum, who I hardly ever saw cry, you know, even in the deepest, darkest moments. So, I, you know, and I think people's response to grief is not always what we see on the television response to, to grief and tragedy. But I just, yeah, I went in the brilliant actors that you work with, you're only as good as the person you stood across from. So you just have to trust yeah. yeah, you were saying this has been delayed for some time because of the, the ongoing court cases. Yes, so, I mean, um, the sort of conclusion was... was what's this 
No, it was. I'm, so I'm very. No confused. time. No time. So just, none of us know yeah, when anything happened. So it's sort of elastic. But yes, we we filmed it over three years ago. I'm I'm sort of thinking it's four years ago. It was we we filmed. I know it was sort of the build up to Christmas, but obviously because they didn't want anything to interfere with the court, you know, the present court case, yeah. it was held back. So you know, it's great news that eventually it's 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 now being released. And actually, what's interesting is they use an awful lot of news footage, like actual the TV footage yes. of the time, which is really interesting to see, isn't it? Yes, and because obviously that wasn't in the script. I mean, we, we, we had, so, like everything, and you know when you shoot a television, you have so much extra material. We shot hours and hours of stuff that wouldn't... And then when they sent me, you know, they send you to watch because then you've got to talk about it. But I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realise there was going to be so much footage, but I think it really gives it a time and place, doesn't it? And and reminds people that it's it's reality. This is real. This is a true, re, you know, true story. And it does bring you back to kind of like oh wait I did see this I was sitting yes. on the sofa I watched yes. this TV da, da, da. but also it really brings home how long ago it was yes that it, that news footage looks like it I mean you, you know in my in my head you know it that is not a long time ago but when no. you see the TV footage you kind of go oh wow well how much we've yeah we've moved on haven't we has in the but yeah eight, 18 eight, uh, yes 80 I'm going mad 89 wasn't it so yeah 89 yeah so you it, it, like I say, for us, of people of our age, it doesn't feel that long ago. It feels like yesterday, but <laughs> yes, it's ancient. Sometimes, you know, it's it's history for some people. Yeah, it you know? is. It is, and you kind of think, oh, we're still wearing the same clothes we were in 1989. We're not. Well, but some of the youngsters are. Have you not noticed now? <laughs> I'm a bit like that was never cool in in the 80s or the 90s. Please don't wear Paisley print. Stop it. <laughs> the Laura, Laura Astor gypsy skirt. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and uh, so you were saying you've got another a BBC thing coming out in the new year as well. I think so. Oh, okay. Yes, I, I, th- I did a thing. I, I think it's, I did a drama called uh, Rules of the Game. Um, I don't quite know when the sort of TX date is, oh, yeah. but it's been talked about in, in in January. So I'm really sorry there might be two two <laughs> lots of Maxine Peak to. Uh, we'll we'll yeah. peak. <laughs> <laughs> um, you will get better. <laughs> uh, no, no, stop that. And uh, have you? Have you put your foot back on a stage since theatres have reopened? Well, I have. I did, um, well, sort of the interim. I was doing a show when it when we closed down. I was at the National and right in the middle of doing a fantastic show by Lucy Kirkwood called The Welkin and we had to sort of go home, pack up our bags and leave. Yeah. And then I was very fortunate enough to do, I did a, a, a stint of talk, the Talking Heads. We did them for BBC. Nicholas oh, Heiner had yes. this brilliant idea to, to reshoot, to shoot them, redo them, remake them. And then we put them on at the bridge and I did share my evening with the fabulous Tamsin Gregg. And it was, it, yeah, it was great. But I have, since then, I'm desperate. I went. Get. I didn't see yours, but I went to see those Talking Heads, and oh, it's lovely because yes. uh, they the app where they brought yes. the drinks in your seat. It was like, yeah, what happened to that app? Bring I it know, back. Exactly. It was very shushy. <laughs> Everyone was sort of saying, oh, it's great. It's like being a little cabaret club, and you know, you sit in and people deliver yeah. you drinks, and, and every second urinal closed. So yeah. it's nice. It's like yeah. being in a. It's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, heady days. <laughs> there were some silver linings. And that was one of them. But yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm... So have you any plans to do more stage? Cause you... Oh, yes, yes. I'm, I, yes, I have, actually. I can get this in, you know, a shameless plug. I'm going to do, I've, I'm co-writing. Oh, wow. Uh, well, we've nearly finished a musical with a fantastic Cyril Davis called Betty. And it's a it's based and inspired by Betty Boothroyd. <laughs> oh, wow! So that's going to be on this time next year at the Royal Exchange uh, Theatre in Manchester. Because so what was her... Her she had a musical theatre background, Well, she? she did. She was a Tiller girl for a short time. <laughs> so that was sort of the inspiration. It's not about her being a Tiller girl, but it's 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 about a group of women in, and, and one man, I keep forgetting, in an amateur dramatic group who decide they're going to celebrate somebody from Dewsbury. They're the Dewsbury players and Betty Boothroyd's the woman. So it's, it's not a straightforward bio. It's how she influences them, but it's it's we want it to be great fun. It's a Christmas show, um, and it's it's we've, it's called Betty, a sort of musical. That sounds amazing. So, yes, that sounds really good. Where where will that eventually happen? So that be that that'll be um, this time next year at the, in Manchester at the Royal Exchange Theatre. <gasps> Fantastic. Yes. Uh, good luck with that, Maxine Peake. Thank, Thank you. you so much. It's a pleasure. So, Thank you so you. much for bringing us um, Anne and Williams. It's an extraordinary story. Bits of it are a really tough watch, but. 
it's a really inspiring story. It's an amazing story. Okay. Um, and that is on ITV uh, early next year. Uh, take care of yourself. You Have too. a lovely Christmas. Thank take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. There's still a lot to squeeze in, including the Waitrose Wheelie Merry Christmas competition. And we hear from Kevin Clifton and Claire Richards about their arena tour of War of the Worlds. But before all of that, let's see what Martha's been up to in the kitchen. She's here, ladies and gentlemen. The uh, a tray today rather than a trolley. I know, a special tray. For. Edible gifts. Mm. Edible gifts. <laughs> I'm here to eat the presents uh, and to drink them. What have you made, Martha? So, we've got two, one edible gift and one drinkable gift today mm. because we've got both kinds of people in our lives. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I've made some praline chocolate almonds and some bay and orange liqueur. Say what now? Some bay and orange liqueur. <laughs> so, you... What, but, uh, yes... I mean, so I haven't made the alcohol okay. myself. That would okay. Have, that would take a while. That'd be and, very thoughtful. And how would, <laughs> when would when would someone have uh, an orange bay liqueur? So it's a vodka-based liqueur. So it's quite clever because you take the kind of plain vodka from Waitrose or from a supermarket, pour it into a big kilner jar, and then we add in our botanicals or things to flavour it. So you can do it with whatever you like. But I've picked bay and orange. They're nice and Christmassy, and you can put little pieces of the bay leaf and the orange into the bottle that you serve it to your guests in, and it looks oh, really. So do you give Oh, so do you, is the idea is you give this bottle as a gift? It is, yes. So you can oh. either do you can do them a, a whopper, a massive kind of seven hundred milliliters bottle, or what I've done today is just decant it into these little tiny bottles. They're about seventy five centiliters, so they make a really nice stocking filler. They make a really good gift um, to give to grandparents, anything, anyone who's interested in a little tipple at Christmas. This is the right kind of thing for them. Everyone likes a tipple at Christmas, <laughs> and uh, and then the the chocolate praline almonds. These are how. How from scratch are they made? So these are pretty from scratch. Okay. These are, they're not the most straightforward of treat, but then you really feel, I feel like if you're giving someone something that's so easy to make, you feel a bit of a cheat. But these, you know, I've put my blood, sweat and tears into these almonds. You, These are a good gift. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to uh, guzzle both and we'll find out how to make them. Luckily, Martha's here to spin the wheel because I don't think I'm eligible to. <laughs> a wobbly uh, wheel spin. Uh, yes, after my uh, liquid gifts. So the orange bay liqueur, I have to say, it is a delicious. Delicious. It's kind of frightening because it's just vodka. <laughs> um, and I've now drunk quite a bit of it. But uh, <laughs> it's like a kind of, it would be like a sort of flavoured martini. It's delicious. It's very drinkable. Yeah, absolutely. And if you kind of buy these little tiny bottles, they are kind of the perfect little cocktail size. You've poured the whole thing into one glass and it looks really good. Really nice little gift. And you could almost give it as well with a little bottle of Prosecco or something like that and have a fizz kind of cocktail, which I think is lovely. That would be really, actually, that would be really, because then you'd feel less like an alcoholic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would last a bit longer. Yeah, not just <laughs> drinking neat vodka. But but it's so seriously, all you do is put the the orange the the orange segment and a bay leaf in, and that's it. So we take um, about seven oranges, so lots of oranges. Okay. Seven hundred milliliters of vodka, some caster sugar. It goes in there as well, just to kind of balance it out a little bit, and then some fresh bay leaves. So you, your dried ones would work, but you really want the fresh ones here because they add a really nice woodiness to the drink and balance out those flavours really nicely. So that all goes into like a big kiln the jar. You put it in a nice dark cupboard somewhere, and every couple of days give it a turn to make sure the sugar's nicely dissolved, and then bottle it up when you're ready to serve about two weeks later. Wow. And the uh, praline almonds then, how do you make them? So those are a little bit more tricky, but if you're a little bit of an aspiring chocolatier and you think I'm going to do something special... These are the right kind of things. So if you've ever had a chocolate almond, it's basically just a blanched almond in chocolate. But these are a bit of a step up because the almonds have been coated in a lovely kind of caramel that's got little pieces of flaked almonds in it as well. So it's like, it's full on on the almond. So wow. you want to start by toasting your almonds in the oven. Then you make a caramel, add your flaked almonds, put the toast, put the whole ones into it, spread them all out, being careful not to slightly burn the fingertips. Yes. <laughs> um, and then they get covered in chocolate and a bit of cocoa powder. And I've also given you a little glass of mulled wine because when I'm making my edible gifts, it's nice to make an evening of it. Have a little glass of waitress mulled wine. And this Voila. is mulled wine. You just, you buy this ready it's just a bottle of mulled wine it says mulled wine on the label and that's what it is it does which yeah. sometimes is really useful it can be nice to do with a little adding of the spices yourself but sometimes you need a quick fix so you can pop this into a pan they recommend you serve it with some orange segments middle pieces of star anise or some cinnamon sticks just to pimp it up a little bit I mean, yeah, if those Christmas, car Christmas carolers surprise you at the door... Uh, yeah. You're in your perfect, you're yeah. like a Christmas movie. Pop that movie. in the microwave, pop that in the microwave. 
You're laughing. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that. And they're really delicious. I must say, Martha, they're great. Oh, thank you and, very much. Uh, and you're right. They would make lovely... People would be so touched if people brought those little bottles in. I, I think the label... Probably the picture... We have a picture will be on um, online. And if you go to at Virgin Radio UK, which is our Instagram account, and you stab away there, you'll find the receipts uh, to make all of those. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's a Waitrose Christmas. Virgin Radio. What have you... I mean, look at it. <laughs> look at it. Look at it. Uh, what is it? So, we have got a classic Christmas centrepiece thing today. Thing. I don't know what else to describe <gasps> oh, it Oh, it's as. a centrepiece thing. A centrepiece thing. A bake. A centrepiece bake. We have got a, a gingerbread house for you, Graham. Now, okay... This looks difficult, and I'm guessing it is. I feel like I can finally <laughs> you can't lie breathe to us. now you can't lie that to it's us. <laughs> in front of you and it's in one piece. I think <laughs> it's kind of the fun of gingerbread house making is you never quite know if it's going to stay up. <laughs> but the secret, surely the secret, I think this is a very ambitious gingerbread house. And this, this, you, a, a large family could live in this gingerbread house. <laughs> yes. I feel a gingerbread bungalow <laughs> might have been easier. Yeah, just a little gingerbread shack. I mean, that's, I mean, don't tell anyone what you're going for when you start making it. And yes. then whatever it ends up as, you can give it a new name. It's the gingerbread stable. It just, it's a wreck. <laughs> it's a gingerbread shed. It's a gingerbread ruin. <laughs> But no, yours, how many attempts did this take? So this was actually a one attempt, but I made a few spare pieces just in case there was any crackage or it falls. <laughs> yeah, can I just say, yours even, pre- there's a picture here from, I guess it's from Waitrose. It is a Waitrose picture. Uh, but yours is even prettier. You've got more, oh, you've got little parcels you. and little trees. and. I did get a bit carried away towards the end. As soon as I was content that it was going to stick up, I thought, right. How can we embellish this house? That's the fun part. The fun part is sticking as many sweets as you can on the house. And I was told, oh, Martha's doing something you can make with children. You wouldn't let a child near this. Uh, it, it, if you're a perfectionist, <laughs> I would say, put your kids in front of a Christmas movie, <laughs> make yourself some mulled wine and make yourself a gingerbread house. If you want it to be chaotic and crazy with little sticky fingers all over it, invite them in. Yeah. And, <laughs> and how do you eat this? Do you just tear it apart Hansel and Gretel style or what happens? So I would say that. I mean, some people would make them and not eat them. So they would make a gingerbread house and it would be like a decoration, but for example. But they're idiots. I mean, it's a lot made, of effort. If you've made all that gingerbread, you want to eat it. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I think it's for eating. So you want to make it, maybe in the morning, let it have its glory for the afternoon, then in the evening, take a little, I don't know, hammer. <laughs> little hammer if you've got a little hammer or a fork just do it because is it snap it up what texture is this is it more like bread or is it like a biscuit so this is a biscuit it's not a super hard biscuit because i think the soft just enables enables the pieces to stick together slightly better (laughs) so you don't want to make it super crispy or you might end up with pieces that don't quite match yes yeah okay liz i'll tell you what let's play some music and then i i mean i'm gonna have to go in no i'm just gonna (laughs) nibble a bit of the roof or something i can't i can't break i can't destroy this that is not that is not what i'm doing here so uh what do we do how how do you begin to go about this so the first thing we're going to do is make our gingerbread so gingerbread is good for making with kids because it's all kind of mixed into one big bowl there's no rubbing of the flour and sugar or anything like that it's just all melted in the big saucepan you add all the bits it's really fun to do once that's made it goes into the fridge and then i would say the key to a successful gingerbread bread house is the template that you (gasps) choose to use so (laughs) you want to print out a template there's one in the recipe the waitress recipe that will be linked you can click on print the template and it will come out of your printer Um, and that will just help you get the right size because if you try and do it freehand you might end up with lots of pieces that don't quite (laughs) fit together and you'll be setting yourself up for a very difficult (laughs) construction don't 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 do it by hand or by (laughs) just judge I'll, i'll make it up as i go along so and then what do you do do you Bake just sheets of it and then you cut it into the template or do you make the template, if you know what I mean? So you want to print out your template, cut the template out and then lay it over your raw dough before you've baked it. So you roll it out, lay the template over the top and then use a sharp knife to slice out your pieces. Oh, so you do that before you cook it? Yes. Not after? And then you bake it almost like flat pack. (laughs) You bake all the individual pieces for your house and if you want to make windows for your house, this is always fun, you can take a little cutter and cut out a little circle like I've done in the front and get some glassier fruits or some boiled sweets, crush them down and put them into the middle and they'll melt with your gingerbread and make lovely little lovely little window in your house. I mean, let's, <laughs> not, let's not run before we can walk. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can do that, but yeah. 
good luck, everyone. <laughs> so then, you how do you glue it together when you when it's cooked? How do you glue the pieces together? So it's glued together with royal icing, and this is quite important because if you just take regular icing or regular icing sugar or buttercream, it won't be strong enough to hold it all together because the the roof in particular is quite weighty <laughs> once you've decorated it as well. So you want to make royal icing, which is made with egg whites. So you take just egg whites icing sugar and a bit of cream of tartar and you just whisk it all together it's actually quite simple people get a bit scared of royal icing okay 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 uh then you you very carefully yes like what do you i mean because that is it four walls or yeah it's four walls yeah so you do the walls first yeah so you start with one of your biggest pieces and get something like a mug or a glass to lean it against whilst you put your Smart. other bits around Smart. it. And if you're feeling very Christmassy, you can even put a little uh, one of those LED tea lights or something in the middle so that it lights up. Wow. That, that would be a nice touch. That would be, yes. <laughs> don't eat that. Don't re- no. remind the children that's not edible. And, uh, and then you put the roof on, mm-hmm. and if all goes well... If all goes well, it should stay up. And okay. You probably, with the roof, you want to prop it up against two little cups just for the first 20 minutes of its drying time so that it kind of sticks itself <laughs> on. Otherwise, you'll get some slidage. <laughs> and then the roof tiles. Uh, how did you make the roof tiles? So I've done the roof with lines of royal icing and then some mint batons or mint flutes. Um, just Delicious. a lovely little bit of flavour, I yeah, think. Yeah, they're like the, long matchmakers. We were, they are. Yeah, we were trying to remember what they, what they were called. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're very good, though. Yeah, really nice. And then, presumably, the decoration of the is kind of up to yourself. You've used what are those fruit pastels and... They're kind of like posh um, fruit pastels. They're called parve de fruit. Um, so they're a bit larger, but they're quite good because you can cut them into whatever size you want. So I put some on the roof in little triangles and I've made the bigger ones into little little presents and they're really easy decoration that look quite good. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, yeah, it's so impressive. It is so impressive. If you want to see a picture of it, it'll be on Virgin Radio uh, UK Instagram account. And if you go there, you can also stab away at things until somebody leads you to the recipe. It'll be. Is it in the Weekend Magazine as well? No. Uh, I don't think it is. No, no I think no, just it's not. Online. It's exclusive. It's exclusive <laughs> to us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you very much, Martha. Have a great week, and I'll see you next week. The mm-hmm. Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's a Waitrose Christmas. Virgin Radio. Right, I'm joined by my guests today. They are Kevin Clifton and Claire Richards. Hello, Hello. both. Hiya. Hi, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, there's some tinsel knocking <laughs> around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it's festive. <laughs> Let's not go very. Okay. <laughs> it's a stretch. Uh, so now, this is big. What you, I mean, you know, this isn't a gig you're promoting. This is War of the Worlds. Uh, it's an arena tour. And it's not... Because yeah, I think in my head, I always thought, oh, that would be like a concert. But this has quite a lot of staging in it yeah it's sort of it's musical slash concert i guess because you've got the whole orchestra on stage um but it's massive production you've got a big sort of martian you've got lasers and fire you've got um a hologram of liam neeson that we're performing with um and all all to the music big screens everywhere sort of narrating the piece and then the actors come out at different stages sort of playing the, the the different parts of the story and the storyline, weirdly, Claire, mm. becomes kind of oddly timely. <laughs> yeah, it really is, actually, because it's... And oh, I'm going to give away the plot. I suppose you everybody can. knows... Three, three million people have bought this album. Yeah. You're fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's... um And towards the end, it's, it is kind of the common cold that is that defeats the Martians and, and, and what restores humanity back to to normal so it's it is very <laughs> timely at the moment i think um it it doesn't seem that much of a a stretch no really i mean it is kind of weird that you've got humanity coming out from after this big huge event kind of like yeah. picking up the pieces attack from this outside entity that no one knows what to do with and how how do we go about this how do we go about life like do we try and live with it or do we try and defeat it like it's very very timely yeah and because we've listened to the album but you haven't seen it in this way uh, describe to me like who are you who do you play kevin so I'm playing the artilleryman. Um, so it's, it's a soldier that um, the the part of the narrator, a sort of he's navigating his way through all this. Um, he meets him uh, at one stage during this, you know, the, the Martians attacking, and he's sort of at first he's trying to fight them off, and then he's the guy that sort of sees himself like he's re- really optimistic, and he comes up with this plan. Like I've I've got this great idea of what we're going to do. We can't beat them like sort of gun for gun but we're going to dig underground and we're all going to live underground where they can't see us. 
is sort of very sort of Great over, idea. overly optimistic <laughs> about the whole yeah. thing. We'll pre-bury yeah. ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> we'll save them some time. Yeah. <laughs> and who do you play, Claire? And I play um, Beth, the Parsons' wife. Um, uh, the Parsons is played by Duncan James from Blue. Oh wow! Um, and so I come into the story when he he's a parson and he's you know he's lived his life in religion and but he thinks that the Martians are the devil and he kind of goes a little bit mad so I'm just I'm there kind of trying to calm him down and and make him see what is actually happening and what I mean again because we listened to the album what would be her big song um, it, Spirit of Man and, um, oh, what's the other one? <laughs> She'll, know it, the night, know, She'll know it on the night. She'll know it on the night. It doesn't start till March. No, You're I've fine. got time. I have recorded <laughs> as well. By the way, I should say, uh, tickets are on sale now. You go to www.livenation.co.uk. That's where the the tickets are. And so it's a, but it's a full night. There's an interval. It, you know, it's, a, it's like going to the theatre, but just on a massive scale. Yeah. Yeah, I in, think, the, in arenas. Yeah, yeah um, I think when they originally put on the production, it was in, I think it was at the Dominion in London, it was in a theatre. But I think taking it to arenas just puts it on a, just another scale. Yeah. And, it, and it, it, it lends itself to that because it is so huge. The story is so huge that it just, the scope for what they can do is massive. But also hearing that, uh, hearing those songs with the full, a massive orchestra yeah. Yeah. playing them live, that, that's so exciting, isn't it? When you hear that, that yeah. huge sound. Full live yeah. music, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I suppose, you know, music is, is your life and you do that in, in arenas yeah. anyway, but I'm so looking forward to being in front, just in front of that massive orchestra yeah. in the arena, yeah. Well, Funnily the... enough, I've not done much of that. <laughs> <laughs> with steps we don't need to do. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever do the Strictly tour, Kevin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you Quite have done. Years. So you've done that big, huge arena thing. With yeah, with Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah. So it won't be my first time in in, in an arena, but yeah. singing in an arena. I've, ne- yes, I've never done singing But you in sang before you danced, or did you dance and sing at the same time? I, I've sort of been doing it all for, for a long time, but dancing kind of took over everything. I mean, I was brought up as a dance competitor and then um, like burned the floor, did a lot, a lot of that, and then Strictly Come Dancing kind of takes over your life once you're on that so yeah. dancing's what I've done the most of but um, yeah I've been I've been singing for quite a long time as well and it's funny the way some professionals kind of break through like you did because you weren't on Strictly for that long uh, seven seasons I did yeah. Yeah. yeah where some of them have been on there forever and I still don't know who they are but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I was surprised you were only on it for seven seasons because you know you yeah. were you're, yeah you, you became re- is that because you danced with good people so you were in it for longer because like I say, if you go, if you if you constantly go out, kind of in week two, how the hell are you going to get to know yeah. people? Well, I mean, it, it, I'm, I don't want to sound all like big headed. It did go well for me. Like, yeah. um, sort of made made five since you asked five finals. No one's ever made five finals before. I don't... Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it went it went really well for me. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and I loved it. Yeah. And look at you now, back yeah. in arenas. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just decided, like, I think it was last year. Like, I, I wanted to do more of this stuff. I wanted to do more um, theatre, musical theatre. Just go into more sort of singing and acting because um, I really enjoy it and. And I thought there has to be a point. Like I'm not still going to be on Strictly when I'm 60, <laughs> you know. So there has to be a point where I leave. And and yeah. if I don't leave now, when's it going to be? You know, there could only to... be one Anton. So uh, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's great, you know, because there is there's loads of work out there. You know, if once you embrace musical theatre, it's all going on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. there is now. I mean, yeah. the the second I left was was a few weeks before COVID <laughs> oh, happened. <no. laughs> so, so I'm leaving for a life in the theatre, and then all the theatres went well. We're not open, so. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much, Kevin. <laughs> cool your heels. <laughs> and of course, Claire, arenas, you're just fresh out of arenas. Yeah. You've just been in them. I saw you in Glasgow. Yes. And, and so what, uh, you poor old things, you, you you were plagued by COVID because when I saw you, Faye wasn't there the night yeah. I saw you. And then what happened? So that we, we did a few shows without Faye. And we got to, like, we did the O2 shows, thankfully. Um, but then we everybody started going down like dominoes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we, I mean, we had intended to carry on. We were going to, there would have been a show with three of us. Um, but 
it just, yeah, too many. Well, too also, many. Was, like, backstage people start yeah, going the crew and all that. Yeah, started going. Suddenly, and it, it's not just about you guys. It's, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it becomes a. You, when you're relying on people to build sets and stuff, it's you know it becomes irresponsible. It's like we would have carried on for the audiences, but it just was impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but in the end, you only, lost, you only lost two shows in the end. Yeah, just two shows. So we did all right. Yeah, it, and the and size they're going to happen. Yeah, they will happen next year. So the the size of the production and the size of the 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 touring crew and even we had six dancers. So the size of it, it's it's it was inevitable, really. I guess. Yeah, because it was a lot of people, and there's so many like costumes and changes. It was a fabulous show. Yeah. So it's great that it gets to kind of have another life and it comes back again. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it it'll be great, and I'm glad we are going to do them because I don't think any of us wanted to let the fans down that bought those tickets. So. Fingers crossed. It yeah, all goes and well also, for next you know, year. Steps, steps um, concert, it's a good time. You know, it is, it's this fabulous yeah. time. So you don't, you know, it'll be nice to kind of have without the, <laughs> the shadow of COVID. Well, let's it. hope so. And coming into the summer next year, hopefully things will change a little bit. And, and you're doing lots of big summer shows as well. Yeah, we do, we do, we're headlining Mighty Hoopla and there's, because it's our 25th anniversary next year. So, Stop it. Yeah. Wow, really? Yeah, 25 years in May. <laughs> so stupid, isn't it? How is that possible? Well, I'm only 28, so I don't know. <laughs> How did that happen? How did that happen? <laughs> wow, that's incredible. So when do you guys start rehearsing for this, for the War of the Worlds? I think it's February. sort of end of February, beginning of March time. Okay. We start rehearsals, yeah. Um, what an epic thing uh, to be doing. It will be, I can imagine this will be an amazing night. With, yeah, with and one of the big action. lines for it is maybe from the madness something beautiful will grow. So it's kind of a hopeful, it's a hopeful yeah, piece really for, for, for today, I think. Yeah, Kevin absolutely. Clifton, you, you profound dark horse. Uh, <laughs> it was quite profound for a that Sunday was, morning, was wasn't very it? very good. Pull that out of somewhere. Well done, you. you know, when I do press, I'm going to say this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is beautiful. No, it is, that is a beautiful sentiment. That's a gorgeous thing. Gorgeous, gorgeous thing. Well, listen, good luck with it. War of the Worlds, uh, touring in March 2022. And you can get tickets at livenation.co.uk. It's time for the Waitrose Wheelie Merry Christmas competition, starting off with Saturday. Let's see what you won this week. Yes, there are ten waitress prizes on our mighty wheel up for grabs, including a lovely free-range turkey. You could get uh, butter mince mince pies with courvoisier cognac, waitress hamper, all your food paid for for in December. Or the one we're crossing our fingers for is you could win everything on the wheel. Martha, standing by, you already? I'm ready. Okay, she is ready. Sleeves rolled up. <laughs> okay, uh, let's find out who is playing today. I believe first up is somebody called Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello, how are you doing? I'm very well. Where are you, Joe? Um, I'm just outside Edinburgh, up in Scotland. Yeah. I mean, I don't know a lot of UK geography, (laughs) but I got that. (laughs) Joe's just outside Edinburgh, in Scotland. And uh, what are you up to today, Joe? Um, Today, uh, putting some lights on the house for the kids. have a a four- and a six-year-old Isla and Lucas, so... um, Yes, that should take up most of the day, I think. All right. Is it so many lights the neighbours comment, or is it is it quite tasteful and subtle? I, I hope quite tasteful. <laughs> I hope quite tasteful, yes. <laughs> All right. If you're near Edinburgh, you see a glow in the distance, it could be Joe's yes. house. Indeed. Uh, all right. This is the qualifying question. Fingers crossed you get this. Okay. Here we go, Joe. In Great. the famous Christmas song, who or what was Frosty? Frosty the... Snowman? You're right! Yes, Joe! (laughs) Frosty was a snowman. I mean, it is terrifying that someone might get one of these questions wrong one day and then we'll all feel kind of embarrassed and it'll be terrible. But anyway, you've done it. So there's lots of things on that wheel. Uh, We wish you the very best. Martha, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Use your best stirring arm and spin that wheel. Whoa! Round and round it goes. Where it stops, no one knows. Oh, it's a good old spin, Joe. She's done very well for you in terms of distance. Oh, 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 oh. What have you got? What have you got? You've got a truffle prosciutto crudo. I think it's a form of meat, isn't it, Martha? Oh, a nice ham, yeah. It's a sort of... You've got some ham. (laughs) (laughs) Christmas ham. That's lovely. Kids will love that, yeah. Oh, but lights in the tree. Thank you so much. And Daddy wants some ham. Uh, Anyone you'd like to say hello to while you're on the radio? Um, Yes, just my family, my wife, Ali, um, kids, Lucas and uh, Isla and uh, grandparents. 
um, that are in on this going to learn just now. So, oh, fabulous! Yeah, I, hope, I hope everyone has a has a merry Christmas and stays safe. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you very much, Joe. And uh, be careful on that ladder today. Yes, I will too. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I would. Tie a rope to yourself. All right, congratulations. Thanks for playing, Joe. Take care of yourself. Bye. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's a Waitrose Christmas. Virgin Radio. Oh, yeah. Ten. Ten Waitrose prizes on the wheel up for grabs, including a fig honey walnut Christmas pudding. You'll probably win that. 50 pound Waitrose voucher. Uh, you get a free veg turkey. All your food paid for in December. Or if you're really lucky, you could win everything on the wheel. Uh, Martha's ready. She's all... I am her. ready. Oh, I... she's, she's got a glow of sweat on. She's been preparing. Been training for this. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see who's playing today. We've got Lewis on the line. Hello, Lewis. Hi, Graham. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Uh, a little bit nervous. Um, I'm not sure what I could potentially win. Hopefully it's not some cheese, but hey, <laughs> anything's good. <laughs> yeah, you know, it could be a fondue. It could be less. Yesterday we gave slices of ham. But uh, look, there are, there are amazing prizes. I spun very successfully earlier with two hands, so I'm, t- I'm advising Martha to do that. I'm going to try that yeah. tonight. Uh, where are you, Lewis? I'm in Hillingdon. Lovely. And and apart from planning to win big on the wheel, uh, anything else uh, this Sunday? Um, My mum's cooking me a roast dinner. So that's always nice on a Sunday. Gorgeous, you lucky, lucky thing. All right. Very lucky. Now, here's the thing. (laughs) I'm going to ask you this very simple Christmas question. I nearly forgot about this bit. Uh, If you get this wrong, it's all off. But I think you'll get it right. Okay, here we go. Hopefully. Here we go. I know. Yeah, is your mother there? She'll definitely know the answer to this. Here we no, go. No, my dad's here, so oh, well, hopefully he, he does. He will, yeah. Let him shout it out there. Okay, you, you'll you know this. You will. Okay, here we go. Complete the title of this Christmas carol. Okay, it's a Christmas carol called Away in a... Manger. Manger. <laughs> well done, Dad. Very good. <laughs> okay. That was the difficult bit. That was, you knew that anyway. You knew that yeah, anyway. I knew that. Yeah, you did, did Lewis. <laughs> All right. Come on, Martha. I'm saying two hands. I'm, I'm saying gonna, two hands. I'm going to go with two. Two hands. Here we go. It's a big spin. On, it's a big spin. Here we go. Oh, wow. Okay. That was impressive. Come on. They're filming on, this. They are hoping for big prizes. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, round it goes where it lands. Nobody knows. Oh, okay. Hey, 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 oh, uh, you got a 50 pound Waitrose voucher. Nice. Not bad. It's better than ham. It's, it's, it's one up from ham. <laughs> it's not cheese. <laughs> it's not cheese. You can spend that 50 pounds however you want. Congratulations, Lewis. Anyone you'd like to say hello to when you're on the uh, wireless? Um, just hello to my mum, Pat, and my dad, Nigel, who just helped with the question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can take them shopping. You can take them shopping with the 50 quid. Yeah, All right, okay. take care of yourself, Lewis. Merry thanks, Christmas. Graham. All Merry right, Christmas. thanks for playing. Bye. Bye-bye. That is Lewis in Hillingdon, who won a £50 waitress voucher. We'll be spinning the wheel with Martha next weekend. Two more times oh. before Christmas. All right, thanks a lot, Martha. You're take welcome. care. Okay, Merry Christmas, everybody. Well, that went quickly. Thank you so much for joining me on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. And hey, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can hear a new episode of the best of bits from the show from Monday morning. Speak to you soon. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's a Waitrose Christmas. Virgin Radio.